interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Ghouls and gore. And sometimes a little more. My bloody podcast. <laughs> Welcome everybody to my bloody podcast. It's December 5th. It's the Christmas wait. It's the Christmas spooky season, the haunting the haunted Christmas spooky season. I'm Brian Kluger and I'm joined by the host with the most the the person who I like to go to crazy parties with and may end up dead in Preston Barta, how are you? I'm I'm great. Uh, we were a little tease of what's to come, but we just came back from a really great trip, and I felt like you and I have been doing this for quite some time, and I guess it's been a little bit of a break since we've done it, but always glad to come back and do this since we're a little more active, at least at the moment, on Fear and Loathing in Cinema, our other podcast with some friends. But we've been doing My Bloody for... I feel like five years or something like that now. And it's always nice because to get together and we haven't got together quite like this, we've done fantastic fest, but to do something like this, where it was just like you and I, a couple of other critics that we know, but we took some time to ourselves and uh, went on some strolls and talked in bars and saw people that were completely not on our agenda whatsoever for what's to, for what was to, uh, to come and uh, had took some great photos and, and had many a drink and many a food. And it was just pure bliss. It was pure bliss. We're going to talk about our trip here on my bloody podcast. Um, before we get to that, we should kind of like uh, go through a little bit of the horror movies that came out this year. And was there one yeah. that like kind of stuck out to you? I mean, I think feel like the one that really stuck out really is, of course, A24 Talk to Me yeah. um, is still I still love watching that movie. It's still so good to me every time I watch it and I know what's going to happen and I still love it. What about you? Yeah, uh, definitely Talk to Me is probably the most fun one out of the entire year, just because it does have those moments that kind of make you shrink into your sofa or wherever you happen to be watching it. But it also is just a very fun movie. I've said it before, I believe, when we talked about this film. It's just a fun hangout movie. Like you enjoy the characters and uh, their dynamics and um the situations that they're backed into which can be kind of effed up at sometimes but it's just a it's one where it kind of leaves you in a way where you just kind of you want more and we're getting more they're making a sequel they uh, are quick um so uh yeah that one's definitely the most fun one well, is is the most surprising one though the most the one that we never knew we needed but we're so happy is here yeah. is when evil lurks yeah yeah, that one, uh, I had heard a little bit about it before we saw it at Fantastic Fest, which was um, just how messed up it is. Because the tr the poster itself shows a woman 
you know, kneeling down in front of a fence post and uh, putting a, looks like she's about to ax herself in the face. Um, so we knew that it was going to be a very messed up film and it delivered on that uh, very much. So it definitely saw the, some of the most disturbing images that we've seen in quite some time. Uh, but it's also just so cool that it's edgy and daring uh, uh, for going there. Um, and yeah, it's the very haunting movie that I still think about. I think we've talked about in other, our other podcast a little bit here, or there, or at least in our private conversations about like the dog sequence in that film is so messed up. Um, it's so good. Yeah. But not since like, uh, uh, speak no evil have we seen a movie so evil yeah, right oh it's great um and we cannot forget preston we cannot forget the amazing horror movie that came out in january of this year i'm referring megan. to yeah megan megan yeah. um fuck i can't believe that came out this year and i still love it yeah yeah that 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 uh, that one also is a lot of fun and that one was way surprising for us because i think we saw it together i believe and and we just kept because it was so because megan came out in january and yeah. after last year's you know you're seeing the whale you're seeing you know all these heavy-handed movies yeah and then the first one back basically is megan and we're all expecting like fuck this pg-13 movie is going to be stupid and then <laughs> It's so good. <laughs> it's like yeah. a damn near five star movie, and it was just so great. <laughs> yeah, I think the things that uh, stick out to me about that movie is that one detective making that joke uh, that he does, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then um, yeah, just like all the dances, like she uh, Megan has really become like iconic. Uh, there was. I went to Universal recently before Halloween, but we have a mutual friend, Scott Jackson, and he shared quite a, a few videos of him at Universal Horror Nights. And they had like a whole group of Megan's dancing and like just kind of seeing those dance moves and like the way that she moves around and everything uh, like that. That image is is pretty iconic. And so I'm glad there 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 are plans to make more of them, too. Megan 2.0, I guess. Yeah, no, it's crazy. Um, it's another one. Um, did you watch this? I watched it and I didn't think it was terrible. Uh, the the last voyage of the Demeter, 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 the vampire, the Dracula boat movie. I, I haven't seen it yet. I've been dying to just because uh, I, I like that chapter in Dracula, and so I was very curious as to what what they were going to do with it. Cause I think they should have more simple stories like that, that have a, a an intrigue to them. That seems more than like, we don't need to capture like the totality of the Dracula story, but just kind of narrow things in. And I think they should do that with more stories. So, uh, did, so you liked it. I liked it enough. It's not the best movie, but it's it's surprising. I mean, it's not as good as Megan or anything like that, but it it it, it builds a sense of suspense and dread, and then it really goes towards the end. So it's pretty good. Um, also, 
a movie that has had so many sequels to it released its 10th film in Saw X. And Jesus Christ, that movie's good. I still haven't seen it yet. I have the 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 4K of it, but I haven't watched it yet. So I'm Preston, I'm it's great. It is violent as fuck and I'm gory and very good. And it puts um what's his name? The the jigsaw man himself. Uh you you, you feel for him. You he, you you think he's right, and he is. Um Saw X is great. And I'm trying to think of the other like really big horror movies that we really like this year. Um, I'm looking through the list that I have on. Um, oh no! So we didn't. I didn't see Five Nights at Freddy's. I could care less. I I like that director, but I have not seen. I have not seen the film yet. Um, we did not like The Exorcist. Believer. No, not at all. Worst movie of the year. I only thought Pet Cemetery Bloodlines was okay to like not great. Uh we didn't like the nun. Fuck no. Uh I guess you could say the killer has some horror elements to it. it. Did you see yeah. Cobweb? No, I did not. See, I didn't either, but I know that came out. Uh I didn't I had oh actually, no, I haven't seen Meg 2 yet. So Oh uh, yeah, I heard it was not great. Yeah, I was. I still want to see it because I liked Meg One, but um, and, and and then Ben Wheatley being the director is right intriguing to me. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, um, you know what I really liked um, that I feel like not a lot of people did uh, the Haunted Mansion. Oh, the the, the new Disney Haunted Mansion new live action one. I went in with that with such low expectations, and it ended up just being like. Yeah, that wasn't too bad. Like it actually had a storyline in it that was kind of compelling to me. And so for the fun, for the f- fun for the family. Yeah, uh, but I think I th- is are are the best ones when evil lurks and maybe talk to me. Yeah, I think and Megan ones. maybe top three. Yeah, I'm looking through. Uh, well, I guess Scream Six fell into this year. Um, oh shit! I forgot about that one too. I had a lot of fun with that one. I thought that one was pretty good. I did as well. I really like Scream 6. We talked, we did a show on that. Yeah. So yeah, I guess I guess those were okay. the were the biggest ones. Was there a particular a par, a particular um 4K or Blu-ray release of horror that you liked? I'm gonna say just recently, probably the Mist, which they sent like a they released yeah. like a four or five disc set of that of the Blu-rays and the 4Ks, both in color and the ones in black and white. I just thought we're getting all of that in one set is pretty awesome. Yeah, um, there's a few. Uh, one of my favorite overseas uh, like boutique labels is Second Sight, and they released It Follows on 4K. Yeah. And... That is about like those those packages are so exciting because they're like two inches thick, thick boys. Kinds, yeah, they got all kinds of like uh, postcard type of stuff in there and artwork and really great essays. So kind of the stuff that we celebrate with Criterion releases, but that yeah. if all this one has really great artwork on it and it looks. Uh, 
my wife and I watched it uh, around Halloween time and it just looks great in 4k and all the extras were fun because you get to pick back up with like the, the characters or not the characters, but the actors who play the characters about 10 years later. And on top of that, this year getting the news that they're making a sequel, they follow, which I, I think that's my most anticipated movie. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know if it's next year or the year after that it's coming out, but very excited about it. I'm very excited about that too. And I'm just happy that like, those boutique overseas labels like um, Turbine Median doing the Texas Chainsaw Massacre stuff and yeah. all those steel books and even Scream Factory putting out all the Night of the Demons 4Ks like that. That was good. And then the rest of the Chuckies, because uh, not a lot of people got, mm-hmm. you know, Bride Seed and the other ones in 4k so it was nice to see some good horror stuff coming up this year or this past year now we're all waiting for nightmare on elm street big 4k set from somebody hopefully soon yeah it seems like it'll be next year hopefully yeah they do but yeah and the texas chainsaw massacre 4k this year was really great too that was a an amazing release that was good. So yeah, there's some good horror stuff we liked this year. Um, I don't know if any of it will win awards or be nominated for everything, but we we still want to bring them up. Um, even though, I mean, Talk to Me probably has the best chance out of any of them to do yeah. anything, but I, it won't. Um, but, you know, the one horror movie that might actually win Best Picture Oscar might be next year, and that will be Eggers Nosferatu. We don't know. Yeah, yeah. We, I'm, we I'm, I'm really hoping for him because I know that we've said it on here quite a few times. Like we both really love The Northman, and we were so pissed that that movie got completely shut out of the awards season, pretty much, or just large, very largely ignored. Because there's some performances in there that should have been. Like Nicole Kidman, I think yeah. she won an Oscar for that movie. Yeah, it's and crazy. Cinematography and everything. So I know that he's going to bring so much of that. And it seems like they have a little more faith in it and yeah. putting it in a, a better spot for the award season versus yeah. March when Northman released. Or yeah. I agree. Yeah, my bloody podcast. Check it out. All the horror stuff we're talking about it. But let's get let's get to our little our little uh, party weekend in L.A. together. Um, it's it was a good time. So uh, the group we're in the CCA, the Critics Choice Association. Um, when it's time for voting season for the awards for the Critics Choice Awards, which will air um in a few weeks in january live on the cw for voting purposes and getting to know more about the movies and tv shows a lot of the studios um send out invites to all of us critics to go and see all the movies and do press conferences and interviews and parties uh for the movies that they represent so this past weekend was mgm studios and amazon studios and orion pictures all got together and uh press and i were lucky enough to go on an all-expense paid trip um to los angeles uh the studios paid for our flights they put us up at the four seasons beverly hills 
They paid for the drinks and food and parties and shuttles and Ubers. Thank you so much, Amazon. Thank you so much, Orion. And thank you so much, MGM. Uh, But it was a really fun time getting to hang with Preston and getting to do all of this movie stuff together and just not only movie stuff, but just like, like he said, sit at the bar together. I, it's really fun, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we've had talks about this in the past about how uh, it, it tends to, you know, largely become a conversation online between critics and people, you know, who comment on our reviews and say things are like, Oh, you're just liking it because you know, the, the studio is paying for all this stuff for you. I felt like, especially you and I um, in doing some of these uh, in some of our other uh, critics choice uh, association friends and uh, just our friends in general, like Susan Kamyap uh, Stevens and Matt Mungle. When we go to these things, um, we tr- we don't let any of that get to our head. We're just there to, you know, enjoy the company. Like we're, we're there to, you know, network and talk to other critics. Cause this is like, you know, it's our, it's our Christmas time kind of thing that we do or like our holiday get together where we get to or, or a reunion, I would say, cause I don't, I, I haven't been to any of the uh, critics uh, choice awards uh, like you have. And so for something like this, which, you know, uh, sometimes the movies are great. Sometimes they're not. Uh, but with this uh, crop of films, like there's not a bad one among them uh, for me. Uh, but there have been movies in the years past uh, where I've gone to like might have been like a Netflix film or, you know, whatever it may be. And uh, I had a really great time and I had to have some got to have some really great conversations with filmmakers and things like that. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm still going to speak from my heart and how I view the film. Um, And so, um, yeah. uh, But yeah, like I said, it's, it's going there being uh, with you guys and being with you this year um, and just hanging out and talking with some of the other people that, that, that was the huge takeaway. And some of these parties that we went to were a lot of fun. Or a lot of fun. And it was interesting you bring up that that part of it is like, do we get paid to like a movie? You know, that, that absolutely not. I mean, I know there's other groups out there that have been called out for that, but not CCA. And, you know, even while I was there in L.A., you know, seeing some people, some friends and, you know, they brought that up. It's like, oh, so they're paying for your vote. And I said, no, not at all. I think it's the contrary. I think, yeah, they're paying you to come out here. But when we see movies throughout the year, you know, we see it on this camera or see it on the big screen and maybe we'll see it on Blu-ray. Maybe we'll get an audio commentary on the disc, or maybe if we're lucky enough, we'll get to talk with somebody in an interview. But this is a time where you get to go there and kind of be immersed in the world of that movie for a few hours where they set up a party. So like, for instance, for Air with Ben Affleck and Jason Bateman and Marlon Wayans and Viola Davis about the Nike shoes, you know, they set up a a party in, um, in the Four Seasons ballroom. And they decked it out in all these 80s lights and colors. They put up those basketball arcade machines where you shoot the basketball. They put down a hardwood floor, um, basketball floor to take pictures with, um, 
you know, I guess actors who were had the yeah, Chicago people, Bulls jerseys on. Yeah, people trying to uh, just wearing the Michael Jordan jerseys. Yeah, and then they had like a company come in that cleaned sneakers, and so if you had your shoes and sneakers on, they would clean them. And they were doing a press conference with all the actors and Ben Affleck. Everybody was there to do it just with, you know, our core group. You know, there was maybe 30, 40 people there. And I think rather than paying for your vote, I think they're just giving you an added element of how much work went into this movie and all those little details. And you get to talk with them and be immersed in that world. And not only the actors, but they bring the production designers and the costume designers and the editors. And even those might be more so than the actors, because there's so many details that you didn't know that were going into this, that made this movie that you see now. And it gives you a better appreciation it makes you look at the movie differently. And I think that's what the ultimate goal is. And that's what I took away from it. Not just say, oh, they're paying for a drink for you and a party. So give me a wine and dine you. Yeah, wine and dine you. So no, I I liked doing that whole thing. And so, you know, what the funny part about Air was, was that, you know, you have Ben Affleck and you have Viola Davis, Marlon Wayans, Jason Bateman, um, and what's his name? Viola's husband. Oh, from uh, Jason. Jason Confused. He's uh, in. He's in the movie Air too. I can't. Uh, remember. Ju- uh, Julius Tennant. Yeah, Julius Tennant. They're all there, and we're all talking with them. And Ben Affleck is so candid and a great storyteller. I mean, he's a lot like Kevin Smith in that way, where you just want to listen to him for literally nine hours talk. And uh, the press conference is over. And it's all on the back of our minds because it's Ben Affleck, but we're all thinking like, is JLo going to show up? Is Jennifer Lopez going to show up? And then as soon as they're walking through the room, Jennifer Lopez is in the back of the room waiting for Ben Affleck. And we're just like, this is so cool. Like you hope that somebody like that is that they have like this wonderful marriage that they're supporting each other. And I love that, that she went to this little press conference with us and just hung out and heard him talk and just great. Right. Yeah. It's nice to, cause with, as with any celebrity or movie star, you're it's very not nobody, I guess not a lot of people get to see like who they are as real people and like, even though I'm sure to a degree, like they're still as stars and everything, they're, they're putting up a certain facade to a degree, but with Ben Affleck and like Viola Davis, Marlon Wayne, like that, that whole group, it ne- I never got a sense that they were trying to like protect themselves. Like you'll get a sense of that from some actors. I won't say their names when you watch interviews with them where you're like, a journalist maybe trying to you know try to get like an honest answer out of somebody where it just doesn't feel like a producer sticking a knife in their side or something like that not not with them like like with i will always remember viola davis's speech really like yeah she she made that room go silent with yeah. everything she was discussing about how the film spoke so much about all kinds of things and i hope somewhere online that this speech exists because um well she did that even when we saw um when we went to the special dga screening that they did of air later that evening and the, the same cast came back up there and, 
and discuss the film in more depth. And so at each time, like, but, but also, like you said, with Ben Affleck, like he gave us some insight into like what, cause the movie's based on real people and like, you know, Phil, Phil Knight and things like that, that Ben Affleck plays. And, you know, it's very eccentric character and to kind of get, some insight into like, Oh, I really wonder what they thought of the movie. Like, what was it like to watch it next to them and get their, gather their thoughts. And he just gave us like a no BS answer and really just painted the scene for us. And in, in, in a way that is very much like Kevin Smith, like you said, where it's just, he there's, you get to see like why he's a storyteller. Yeah. And so that was really special, but also to see those very human moments, which is what I was ultimately getting at with all this is that, you know, seeing him with JLo, but we, we saw him like take a quick restroom break. And then JLo was waiting outside, like, you know, applying her lipstick or whatever she was doing. And they were just walking together, you know, holding each other in the arm and then getting inside their car. He's smoking a cigarette or something. <laughs> and, and we're just like, wow. Like, <laughs> Who gets to see this other than like the paparazzi that follow them around that we tend to like tune out those photos because we don't care. Um, but just to kind of see that and respect their space, because when JLo was right there waiting against the restroom, nobody was going up there. Like there's so much tremendous respect for them that yeah. they did not get approached. Um, so yeah. it was really cool to kind of see like these people, these larger than life figures, like, live a life as normal as we, we could imagine i guess um so it was really cool yeah no that was super cool and i loved going to the dga theater which is the director's guild of america uh that theater to watch air again because we did that press conference and then we went to the movie and it was just like wow they talked about this and now we get to see what they were talking about and it has like a new appreciation for the film and made it even better yeah that theater has so much history to it because i i listen to the dga podcast that they do and that's when they'll do a, a screening of something so like for instance in the past i believe if i'm not mistaken um like they had one where like christopher nolan interviewed or moderated the uh, discussion post-screen discussion for like heat with michael mann and you get to just have like all these people, like I imagine probably Martin Scorsese and uh, Ari Aster did one or something like, I know they did yeah. one for the A24 podcast, but, but they have stuff like that going on and they will have more stuff like that going on through the rest of the year. And to just kind of go in there with the sound and everything like uh, that, it was one of the theaters that I was most curious to see from like, cause if it's a DGA led sponsored theater it's going to have good sound and presentation in it yeah. and even though you're not like in a seated in such a way where it's like oh my god like this is so bougie and like uh, like it's amazing like it didn't have that quite of appeal to it but as we were sitting there and seeing all the speakers like lined up all around it, it reminded me of the Antoli theater that I went to in New York which had you know that great sound it was a, it was very loud watching the movie but it you didn't miss a beat um so that that was cool just to kind of be in that historic setting and right after the theater as you mentioned they did the q a and um 
some people got to ask some questions in the audience. Unfortunately, uh, you and I did not get to ask anything during the acting one. Um, uh, we had tried and had some good things cooked up, but um, the conversations were so good that I was never like, oh man, my question didn't get asked. It was just yeah. like, ah, that That was so good. Like, fuck it. it yeah, yeah. I agree. No, it was, it was so great. Uh, the air one. Um, and we, so the air one happened. It was so cool to do that. Uh, Saltburn, my favorite movie of the year so far, one of Preston's favorite movies of the year so far. Uh, they did a party for yeah. Saltburn and they also brought in the costume designer and the production designer of Saltburn and the yeah, editor, had a poser, cinematographer. Yeah. Before they did the party, they did so going back to air like they had that main discussion that we talked about but they also had a uh another discussion with like you uh had were well, the production to, designer yeah yeah like the, you know production designer the costume designer the editor and so there was it, we got to ask stuff during that and so it was just a really engaging conversation just like you mentioned like sometimes you can get and, and that's that's why i do the interviews that I do, I tend to chase directors, editors, cinematographers, because you get like really great stories from them. Like they, yeah. they're, they're, they're watching it like these actors do their work and everything like that. And, and it just never seems like they are trying to protect themselves. Like they're just, they're just speaking like what it was like, what the art of it was like. And so uh, like, that was really awesome. And so, yeah, Saltburn, they, um, Seems like they were they were wanting to really push like some of those technical categories for it, um, along with Emerald Fennell's screenplay, um, and so they had like all the you know production designer and uh, cinematographer, the composer, uh, yeah, and, all yeah. all of those people. But yeah, so they had like the technical side of it, and that was a great great Q and A because you know. With a movie like Saltburn, there's a lot of metaphors. There's a lot going on below the surface. Mm -hmm. And here are some of the things they talk about where he's like, oh, you notice about what this costume is in the first 30 minutes of the movie and then how it changes as the characters progress is just super cool to hear. Yeah, been on our minds for a while just because, you know, we, we love watching the bonus features to films and we've kind of been in tune with some of those things for quite some time, but it still never makes it uh, uh, any less um, special to, you know, be able to do something like this and hear them talk about uh, like how you get to see like how collaborative it, it, it is. And with like Emerald Fennell film, her doing two now with Promising Young Woman being the other one, like it's a movie that bleeds with style and has so much to say about our world while also being like, like have those shocking moments and those really, those cool moments and those uh, very sharply written moments. And so um, to see other filmmakers, you know, working in tandem with her to achieve this, you know, common goal, this, this vision is very unique to, to uh, break down. And we didn't mention with air, but with the air discussion, 
they did like the uh if you've ever watched like some of those videos on youtube i don't know if it, i can't remember if it's like variety or something like they do like anatomy of a scene yes. where they, they show a bit of a sequence and then like a friend of the show uh um david lowry's done one for green knight where he like you know show, and you get to see them like watch the scene back and like talk about those little moments within it uh things that we may not see below the surface as you said um stuff like that um so i don't know it's all it's always so exciting um to uh, see what different things they talk about but none of the conversations that we saw across the weekend felt like they were like oh well that was a kind of a waste they were right yeah i agree and then um so we did the salt burn and then we went to a salt burn party which was at a venue in Beverly Hills and they had converted this venue to look like the inside of the castle and the party from Saltburn. Yeah, like a, mid- a Midsummer Night's Dream type of vibe. Yeah, so they had actors and models there dressed like they were in the film uh during that party sequence. Um there they game bottles with uh bendy straw or like the circle circular yeah like all the loop-de-loop straws uh of an open bar waiters bringing by hors d'oeuvres um they had a dj playing some songs from the movie and then in walks the director emerald fennell and the lead actor barry keegan who were just a joy to see again um and they had a palm reader a face painter um it, it was crazy and you know seeing Barry again it was funny because when I went up to Barry and he goes I walk up to him and I was was like oh yeah and he goes don't I know you and I'm like yeah man Austin Texas he's like killing of a sacred deer it's like oh my god how did this guy remember me and uh I just thought that was just a cool little moment and so we're just talking shooting the shit about being in LA and this movie and uh, him and all his last few films and it was just a real quick thing we mentioned barbecue in texas now he wants to come back and it was great like it was just like a cool thing i, I did not expect that at all uh, i just yeah. thought that was like a cool little moment and i got a little bit of a video for it so i thought that was cool yeah it's always at least this is kind of like where my mind goes and <laughs> Whenever you talk to somebody, especially somebody like Barry Keoghan, and he says, uh, like when we interviewed him at Fantastic Fest for Killing the Sacred Deer, we we both had like really good conversations with him. And then uh, to to have a moment like that and have him like recognize you and be like, man, you've done some Oscar winning shit since then. It, like like you, you were in Dunkirk, like you saw you saw uh Christopher Nolan in the face your yeah. but your eyes were have my my face has been through your eyes and they have seen Christopher Nolan yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and, and Colin Farrell and done Batman and stuff like that and so it's just really yeah the joker cool. like it's crazy yeah it's cr- it's cool to do that but like that party was super fun i got Preston to do a tequila shot with me we had a good time. Yeah, I that party was really well done. Most of the time, like they do some slight decoration, 
Um, and, and it just kind of just feels like, you know, it, it's just an open bar with the, the same hors d'oeuvres type of thing. But each, you know, well, these hors d'oeuvres were different from the ones that we had at Air. And like you mentioned with Air, like uh, I've been in that room. We, that's where we did our panels at. And it does not look that way. They did some really good set decoration and lights and just like you said, like really kind of immersed us in the, like an extension of the an atmosphere in the film or something like that. And so that party, even though it was like, you, you were kind of, you know, rubbing elbows and shoulders a little bit there, but it seemed like nobody cared because it was such a good time. And to be amongst the company of Emerald Fennell and Barry Keoghan, as they're just like, you're, you're just watching them and they're talking to people and you're like, oh man, uh, like I really want to go up to them, but it's also like, it's probably like they're having their speed dating moment of like talking to somebody like, hi, like, you know, they're just putting on a face to talk to us, but it seemed like every single one of them um, really just took the time and listened to us and were willing. It didn't matter if we brought up a phone of somebody <laughs> uh, back home uh, that we yeah. wanted to talk to and things like that. Like they just didn't care. Um so that that was really special. I didn't get I didn't approach Barry, uh, but I but I did happen to walk by Emerald and she said, "Oh, we talked uh, a few weeks ago at the Austin Film Festival." And I was like, "Yeah." She's like, "I love that combo," and I was like, "I I loved it too." And I love the see. Film. That's good and stuff. Talked, that's yeah, that's yeah, good. You, just, you get those little moments where you just kind of feel like you're you, you're getting recognized in, in some small capacity, but it's a private moment. And even though we're sharing about it here, but you know, I'm, I didn't largely share that out or anything like that, but it was just a very nice and special moment. And that party really was like, again, like just awesome. They did such a great job. Yeah. And then they had a, they had a photo booth set up and press and I took the best photo in the world. Uh, well, we might post it. We might not, but it's a, it's a, it's such a good photo that people were, yeah, people were asking about, whoa, did y'all take a photo? And I showed it and then they would, they, everybody's reaction was just like, this is the best photo we've seen. So, uh, yeah, that's like uh, a very, uh, like roman style look greek style look yeah too. what's your roman empire and that was our roman empire right there exactly. yeah. <laughs> do you still believe in the roman empire so yeah that was good salt burn party was good um we also did a junket for a million miles away with michael pena and the director of that movie which was great and it was very heartfelt and um michael pena you know just really loving the movie and being very honest about playing a real person when he brought up um Che when he played Che and he's like I I have a regret in my career and I was like I was not confident when I made that movie I would like to do that over and how he's grown since then and I thought that was awesome yeah I I remember when Cesar Chavez played I think at at uh South by Southwest I didn't get to see it um, but I was I, I was very happy for him because like he had mentioned during that million miles away Q&A, like he had always been recognized as the person who's like, you know, co-lead or like just like the secondary third character or so. Um, but never leading man type. And for him to get something like that, he said he didn't he didn't really know how to like process it properly. 
Um, so, uh, I mean, I'd be curious to watch the movie now, but I do, I have seen a million miles away earlier this year and got to speak to the, the director in the, in, in <laughs> Jose Hernandez, uh, which he made a really funny joke. Yeah. About, uh, he, he's like, had you ever heard of Jose Hernandez before doing this movie? He's like, well, I knew a lot of Jose Hernandez. <laughs> he um, was so, really funny and he was yeah. really sweet and we got to talk with him and he was just really cool um his his story and we we mentioned it uh just recently about how how sweet uh like he has children of his own and so somebody had asked about like i think it was the final question about like watching it with your kids and what they think and what it means to them to see their father play somebody who was like so monumental um for uh uh somebody to achieve such success like that um and he just got very he got tear he choked up about it like he uh, got emotional saying that like his son really thought so much of it and uh uh, if you haven't seen it watch it on uh amazon or prime video right now it's it's a very uh very sweet movie um that very much surprised me i I think admittedly it has some elements to it that are kind of like you know down the middle like um but there's also like some great character work especially with uh his wife in the film played by rosa salazar i think that's her name yes Uh, yeah and uh not a typical like wife of the astronaut kind of role like she really challenges him and they spoke about that during the q a and so it, it was really good so yeah watch that film that was good um we also did cassandro uh the uh great uh i think um gay pro wrestling movie with uh, directed by roger ross williams that he's an oscar winner um they had him there the director they had the costume designer and they had uh the guy who played Cassandro himself. Who was that? Huh? Gael Garcia Bernal. Yes, yes. The 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 man himself. And so they had a really cool setup in a smaller venue inside the four seasons, but they had like the wrestling ring rope up, and you know, that was super fun. And we got to talk with them about that. I think that was the the least engaging one it just felt very monotone to me but i still liked everybody up there and it was fun to hear them yeah i really liked uh uh gael garcia bernal's insight because i don't think because we talked to roger ross williams earlier this year for this film and and kind of gotten some you know insight into his perspective of making the film but haven't heard anything from gael garcia bernal because at the time the strike was going on and so to kind of just to get see like what his approach to it because a lot of the things that I liked about the movie and what I tend to like about most movies uh, that I that I speak very highly of are films that really just take some moments of pause to really just you know cause me to think that oh these people are human like they're not they're not just characters like they're they're human they're not trying to you know make me laugh every minute or anything like that or say all the lines that make me want to you know stitch it on my pillow or write it down put it on my fridge or whatever it is in case in in brian's case tattoo it on yourself yep Uh, 
but like the the movie has like it opens with a very quiet moment of him walking from one side of the border to the other and you get to kind of it, it reminds me of that scene in uh oh man i'm blanking on the movie right now widows uh the steve mcqueen movie oh yeah within there where there's a one shot of them uh you know get inside of a like an escalator a really nice car suv and they're traveling from one part of the city to the other just going down the street and it captures like how you can go from like this really you know gentrified place where it's all you know nice shops and coffee shops and everything and you're going through and then you get to like you know the places that have had a longer history and things like that and you know maybe a little more run down and it gives you some insight into like Oh, the, the the pockets of of wealth and things like that. It talks a lot. It speaks so much about class without you know directly discussing it. And so you can like look for those details and the the nooks and crannies of a film like this through the quiet moments. Whether he's like you know quietly smoking a cigarette, watching a baseball team, and connecting with his father, even though he doesn't have a connection with his father. Um, so things like that. And so I really loved that movie. And I think Gael Garcia Bernal should be recognized for it um, uh, compared to um, another wrestling movie that's coming out this year. I think it achieves so much more um, with with yeah. its themes and everything and its story uh, while capturing like the spirit and fun of, of wrestling. Um, yeah. You know more about that than I do. No, I'm glad the Cassandra thing happened. I like the movie. It was a fun thing. They had a little party afterwards where they had um, actors and models dress up like pro wrestlers, take pictures with them. They gave you luchador masks to keep. Uh, that was cool. That was it was a good time. And yeah, then our- yeah, it was more. It was probably the most low key party. You could probably tell. Admittedly, they probably didn't have the budget budget for it. Yeah, like Saul Burn <laughs> did. Yeah, but it was still like a nice thing to be able to uh Gael Garcia Bernal wasn't there to converse with anybody but uh, Roger Ross Williams was and the costume designer was and uh just to get these masks uh which I did put on with my son when I got home and I put by the way this is what uh, I didn't get a chance to really talk to you about because when I post the video in my stories of he and I uh wearing the masks we I, I when I brought it out to him he was like what what is this and I was like it's a you know, like a luchador mask lucha libre and then uh he's like i'll show you what it is and so i youtube a clip of like a lucha libre match and it was an underground uh luchador match and it was like 10 minutes long and i don't remember who the fighters are i think one of them was called the puma and <clears throat> they were they, they were fighting they were really smacking each other in the face and but they were doing some real cool flips and ropes uh yeah tricks ropes and things like that um but it reached a certain point about eight minutes in when we're watching it and he's like i'm gonna break your arm i'm gonna break it i'm gonna break it. and i'm like oh my god i really think he's about to snap his arm and i was like i, I didn't get to find out so i need to watch it to be like, oh you need to watch it. They, they're not gonna snap each other's arm they're gonna okay kick out okay well, I, no- know, I, I, don't, I don't i don't know too much about like because i know there's like a you know, there's scripts to it and things like that. There's, there's a, they know what's going to go down with a little bit here and there that they didn't expect. Um, but for something like that, I don't know. It really looked like he was about to do it. And there's just a couple. Well, then of- that sold you. That's a good sell. That's yeah. good. At one point, I really thought they. I was like, I, I don't know if I could do that. That looks like that's putting your neck in jeopardy. Like you almost broke it. Yeah. 
That's what they they made it made to look like it that happened. So that's good. I'm glad it had that effect. <laughs> Watch the rest of it. It's great. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I will. I'll be like, hey, it's okay. But but it's still it's not a good well, I have a six year old, so it's not a good thing for me to show him. Uh you know, gonna never know what he's gonna do like privately with his friends and be like, I I, I broke his arm. Like it's just it's not- <laughs> You like gotta show them that it was all it's all it's all in good fun and theatrics. They'll re- they'll realize it. Um but yeah, that was um Cassandro. We also the other one, the last one we did was American fiction. Um that we actually got to do well, it's not the last one, but uh we did do American fiction, which is uh Core Jefferson's new film with Jeffrey Wright and uh oh god. Early Kate Brown. Yes. And Brody. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a great movie. It's very it's a satire and kind of true life story about uh being black in America <laughs> and the modern times. Modern right. times of very subtle but very blatant racism. Yeah. And it's a it's a great movie. It's funny, it's poignant. It's really it's good. It has some issues, but it's really good. But we got to do this. And we got to see the movie again um, at a God. What place was that that we saw that movie? Uh, it was the Crescent Screening Room. Uh, it was more of like a just a low key room, screening type of screen. It wasn't like a big event. It was just an opportunity for us to see it on the big screen. Right. And then we did the Q and A um, with just you know a few of us, and they brought in like the entire cast uh, and director, which was a great and very funny uh yeah uh q a session and then after the q a session which was great there was lunch outside and brunch and the most of the cast stuck around for that jeffrey wright um adam brody yeah it was it was really cool and you know our we got to bring up susan because susan loves adam brody and we were talking with them. And so I went to talk with Adam Brody and it was great. And I brought up Adam Brody's uh, character from Gilmore girls to Jennifer's body, which we mentioned on fear and loathing and cinema podcast. And he really liked that. But then I called a video um, conference, Susan, while she was in Dallas, I was like, Hey, you want to talk to Adam real quick? And she got nervous. And so I just brought the phone up uh, to him and Preston was there and they got to say hi to each other. And, when we talk with Susan afterwards, like, well, you know, Adam said my name's Susan, so it's been a pretty good day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was real. I, I was kind of nervous about like how he would take certain something like that, but he was like I mentioned, like he was so welcoming of anything, and so for something like that, especially since you know you framed it with saying that uh, our, our our you know our friend our colleague and friend yeah, can be here. Uh, fellow uh, CCA member uh, couldn't be here, but wanted to say hello to you. And, and he was just like, hi, Susan, like you're missing all these great hors d'oeuvres over here and everything. And she, she said like, you're awesome. But you thought she said you're hot. When it's- it looked like she said, you're hot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, ballsy, Susan, ballsy. That was funny. That made me laugh. So, I mean, it was a great time. And getting to speak with Jeffrey Wright for a little bit is yeah. just super cool. Um, the other one we did, which was very last minute, we didn't know about it until the night before, 
um, they did a Barbie screen at the Warner Brothers studio lot. So we were just a couple yards away from Stars Hollow seeing this movie. And we watched Barbie again. And out comes Gosling, Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie and American Fiera to do a really cool uh, Q&A about it. Ryan Gosling's funny as shit. Yep. Um, I liked how he said somebody asked about, you know, the movie uh his his role as ken and he had the perfect answer for it like what like he what do you say he said that there's no um research material to play a 70 year old crotchless doll (laughs) (laughs) going in blind to that and that was just so funny and then i loved that gosling said that when the movie debuted, like when they released the movie that weekend, him and his family went on a camping trip and he came back to a changed world. And I just love that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, th- that conversation was real cool just to kind of see, because to, to me, like those are movie stars, like big time movie stars, um, Margot Robbie and, and, and Ryan Gosling. Um, and to see that side of him, just because we've always been uh, loved like this comedic side to Ryan Gosling and Barbie really highlights that. And I hope he actually gets the supporting actor uh, win in it, from my perspective. And um, for some like nice guys and little moments here and there and throughout his films, uh, like even as early as uh, Remember the Titans, you get, you get to see like a playful side to him and uh, Lars and the Real Girl and things like that. And so he's always, he, he's, he reminds me a lot of, uh, or at least part of most of his career, remind me a little bit of like Philip Seymour Hoffman, where he would do something very serious and uh, dark things or something that's, uh, really speaks so much about the the world in a, in a more dramatic way and to see something like Barbie that's more playful and light but also does have like very deep and thoughtful conversations that are, get you very emotional um and so I I thought that uh that screening in particular like seeing it again because that was only my second time seeing it um uh was really special and to see it on the lot was really cool because you walk past like the water the water tower uh that yep. they had seeing like animaniacs and things like that and um so that yeah that was really cool but yeah that american fiction one that q a especially i think that might have been my favorite one next to the air one uh, yeah first. i agree they had a good time on that american fiction one yeah, it, yeah. you could tell everybody loved each other yeah that was cool but, yeah, what Cord Jefferson, the director, writer, director of that movie, said about like his whole experience of like going from being a journalist to everything that he experiences day to day, and what led him to ultimately, you know, adapting this book, Erasure, I think, um, was really cool to hear. And and like you mentioned, like I I have some some issues with it from like a narrative perspective, but not from like what it discusses. Um, but yeah, and and then yeah, definitely talking to Jeffrey Wright for a quick quick moment. I briefly brought up James Baldwin and and Basquiat, um, because he played both of them, or kind of played J- James Baldwin in in Wes Anderson's French Dispatch. And it was super cool. I loved it. And then after all that was said and done, Press and I were at a bar. And we had 
food. We had drinks. We shared drinks at the Four Seasons Bar one night. We're talking. We're having some good conversations. We're drinking. And who walks? Who who walks out? Yeah, it was such a strange thing because you and I were just like chatting, and then all of a sudden, I saw you get like distracted by something. You're like, what? what? And then I was like, oh, what was that? And then I see this this man with long hair and looking like Prince, and it was uh, Corey Feldman. Yeah, that was uh, Corey Feldman, Goonies, Stand By Me, Friday the 13th, Part (laughs) 3. And he was dressed like in a Prince outfit. Um, I, of course, went up to him. I had talked with him years prior for like more than an hour. And we just shot the shit for a little bit. We got pictures with him. He was super friendly and nice. He was there for a friend's birthday party. Uh, But it was just fun to share that moment with Preston. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we're yeah. just fucking Cor- no. So now every time we watch a movie with Corey Feldman, we're gonna have this shared moment together. <laughs> we have that one time in band camp moment. Yeah, one time at band camp, <laughs> Corey Feldman talked with us. Oh, uh, that was so good. Uh, which is great because I just see he's coming to Dallas again with Limp Biscuit, Corey Feldman. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I see Limp Biscuit with his whole cowboy attire. Yeah, a whole cowboy attire, which would be fun. But uh yeah, that's super, super cool and super fun. Um, but yeah, we had a great time. We we took walks, we went to an art gallery where uh hopefully Press and I will get some art uh hung on our wall. <laughs> Green big, darling. Dave David Yarrow is the name. Look him up. He has some amazing uh artwork and photographs. Oh my god. Um, but yeah, we had a great time and just talking with Press and having drinks with him and just kind of not seeing him at a movie theater in Dallas or you know, on a screen like we are right now, a few times a week. It's just great to like be there in the moment together. So I, I had a great time. Yeah, it's nice to not spend your own money. Yeah, no, right? It's very much so, especially at the four seasons. <laughs> so that no, was good. I had a great time. Uh we hope to do a few more over the next year or so. So yeah. There you go. My Bloody Podcast. Thank you, Amazon. Thank you, MGM. Thank you, Orion. Thank you, Air, Cassandro, American Fiction, Saltburn. Um, yeah, thank you, and Barbie. Thank you all and everybody that helped out. Uh, we love it. This is My Bloody Podcast. Look up those horror movies. We'll be doing more horror stuff very soon. I'm Brian Kluger. You can find me at High Def Digest. And Boomstick Comics and Brian Kluger everywhere else. Press and where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Blu-ray Dad and Twitter at Preston Barta and find my writing and videos and stuff like that on DentonRC.com, Denton Record Chronicle, and FreshFiction.tv. And you can find both of us or listen to both of us on Fear and Loathing in Cinema. Fear and Loathing in Cinema podcast. There you go with our great mates, Dan Moran and Chelsea Nicole. Uh, Thank you so much, and we'll talk with you soon about all the horror movies coming out in 2024.